Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 39. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. The disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Uh, This is one of the most unpleasant bumper stickers that you see around the place. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen them on backs of people's cars. It's not a reasoned argument for uh, a sustainable population. It's just racism on a car window. It just says, we don't want other people here. Get out, go away, we're full. And... Underneath that, I think, there is an element of fear. A fear that somehow other people coming in will cause people already here to miss out. I searched for this picture online and uh, every image used offensive language, highly offensive. I had to create this graphic myself. (laughs) Uh, And... I was shocked, but I, I shouldn't have been shocked, when I searched for this image, actually, Australia wasn't the only map that popped up. You can get this bumper sticker uh, on the map of heaps of other countries around the world. Australia doesn't have a monopoly on racism. But churches can't have any of it. Churches can't have any. Now, you might already be convinced of that, um, that fact, you know, we don't want any racism in church, of course. Uh, but tonight, I want us to see why. 
Why is that? What, what is the basis for churches to welcome in people from every country in the world? Uh, why do Christians take the gospel of Jesus to every nation? Uh, we want to answer that question. Uh, so this passage has three puzzles, three puzzles, and I think if we solve those three puzzles, it'll tell us why Jesus is so against that attitude. Okay, uh, so three puzzles. Firstly, why is Jesus so mean? Where is Jesus going? And why another feeding miracle? There are three puzzles. Firstly, why is Jesus so mean? A desperate woman comes up to Jesus. And first, he ignores her. Then, he says, not my problem. Uh, And then, it seems like he calls her a dog. And this is Jesus. All through Matthew, we've seen him gentle and compassionate. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But now he seems cruel and apathetic. He's like a bank teller at 5.02pm. And it, it seems actually even worse because it looks like it's because she's a Canaanite. Have a look at verse 21. Uh, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came up to him. Uh, Tyre and Sidon were up on the north, on the coast. Uh, There's a map. Uh, You can see Tyre right at the top. And it's outside Israel. Uh, It was the home of the ancient Philistines, and the Jewish historian Josephus calls them notoriously our bitterest enemies. And she's a Canaanite, the The Canaanites were the people that God drove out of the land of Israel in the first place. Uh, So she's this unclean uh, Canaanite enemy and she's a woman. We've got every ethnic, cultural, historical barrier going up here. So you can understand why a Jewish man might not uh, or might not engage with her. But, But why Jesus? Why is he being so mean? Uh, Well, Is he being mean? Uh, That's why I think it's a puzzle, because on the one hand, what he says uh, seems a bit uh, cruel and dismissive, but then what he does is different. Uh, Have a look. In verse 23, the disciples urge him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. But then he doesn't send her away. He doesn't say, you know, go away, we're full. And after the discussion, he does heal this woman's daughter. Uh, He does have mercy on her, just like she asks. Why is that? Uh, Is it that Jesus doesn't want to do this, but the woman's answer somehow changes his mind? It's like, wow, I've never thought about it like that. You've convinced me, I'll do it. Uh, Except, as you read the passage, you don't get any indication that Jesus is surprised or that he's convicted or challenged in any way. If anything, it's the opposite. He gives his verdict at the end. He says, woman, you have great faith. Okay, you've got it. Uh, no, th- I think this interaction is so puzzling uh, because Jesus is using it as a teaching moment, a teaching moment for this woman and for his disciples. It's not that he's unwilling to heal this woman's daughter. He is. 
Uh, It's not that he's unwilling to listen to her, he does. Uh, It's more that he's playing hard to get. It's like a debating ploy. He's, He's doing this devil's advocate type thing. He's saying things that are true to a point, but he's, he's prompting her to dig deeper. See what he says. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, that's true. He's Israel's Messiah. He was sent to the Jews. But earlier in Matthew, we've already seen him heal a Roman centurion's son, and we've seen his own people reject him. Uh, so, if you've been reading through Matthew, you know that Jesus' ministry is focused on God's people, but it isn't just for them. And so he doesn't send this woman away. And she comes up to him. Perhaps she's heard of this man who touches even unclean people. And so she throws herself down at his feet. Verse 25, uh, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied... It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You see, Jesus is being provocative here. Uh, Jewish people called uh, the Gentiles dogs. They were an unclean animal. But uh, it works like an invitation uh, when Jesus says it. He says, I'm Israel's Messiah, so so surely uh, my blessings go to Israel. Why should the Gentiles get any? And by using that language, why should the Gentile dogs get any? By using that language, he's provoking, drawing out a response. Now, I thought, if this is what Jesus is doing, I I need to test this technique. I need to try this out. Uh, So, like any good parent, I tested it on my children uh, during the week. Uh, So, I said to my kids, I've got a packet of marshmallows but it's not right for kids to have them, only grown-ups. To which Rigby replied, Yes, it is. Kids should get all of them. (laughs) So, a bit of overreach there at the end, I think. Um, But I I couldn't believe it. It worked perfectly. That uh, that technique, uh, better than I would have imagined. Uh, To say that to them, to, to put it like that, it kind of poked the bear... Uh, they, they, they immediately came back at me. And the same thing's going on here. Jesus is inviting her to respond, to draw out that great faith. Because this woman has already showed amazing faith just to come up to Jesus, to go through all of those barriers. And so he wants to draw that out. So verse 26, uh, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. There it is. She gets it. She absolutely gets it. Yes, Israel's Messiah has come to rescue the lost sheep of Israel. He's come to feed them, not the dogs. But what if there was extra? Uh, What if the blessings of the Messiah were so great that they, they spilled over the edge of the table... What if there was enough to feed even the nations? Can, can you see what she sees? She, she, say, she says, yes, yes, we're unclean, but even a tiny crumb of blessing from you, Jesus, even the tiniest amount, that'd be enough. 
He recognises who she is, but more importantly, she recognises who Jesus is. Your power is enough to heal my daughter, even if it's just a scary. And so with this uh, Canaanite woman, we see that the blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. That's the lesson from the first puzzle. Uh, The second puzzle is, where is Jesus going? Now, that's not a puzzle that pops off the page, but it's an important piece of information. Where is Jesus going? Uh, So here's our map. Uh, He starts... Uh, up near Tyre, uh, and then verse 29, we're told Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, which is down there. Uh, then at the end, verse 39, uh, we're told after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan, which is that place. Uh, so that, uh, in order to get to Magadan by boat, because he gets into a boat and goes to Magadan, in order to get to Magadan by boat, uh, he would have to be on the other side of the lake. And so it probably means Jesus went like this. And so where does that put Jesus? Well, uh, when we have this incident, it puts him in this area, the region of the Decapolis. And that suddenly seems significant, doesn't it? Because the Decapolis is a Gentile region. It's, kind of, it's the other side, away from Galilee, uh, where uh, the Jews were. And so it begs the question, why doesn't Matthew tell us that? Why doesn't he say, Jesus went to the Decapolis? It's a Gentile area. Uh, in Mark's Gospel, he does tell us that he went to the Decapolis. But why does Matthew keep it vague? Well, it could be that he thinks it's obvious where Jesus is. Have a look at the end of verse 31. Jesus heals all these people and they praised the God of Israel. Now, you don't need to say that if they're in Israel. Uh, You just say they praised God. Uh, You only specify uh, which God it is uh, if they would normally praise a different one. But here they are, these Gentiles praising the God of Israel. Uh, But it could be also that Matthew is just doing a little bit of what Jesus did. That is, he's making us think about it. Uh, You read the story and if you know the geography, uh, you think to yourself, hang on, which side of the sea is he on? Is he in the Decapolis? I think that's right. That's incredible. Among the Gentiles, that's amazing. And it is, it's just amazing Verse 30, great crowds came to him, great Gentile crowds, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. The second time some, a Gentile has been laid at his feet, just in this passage. The woman laid at, at his feet. They lay these people at his feet, and he healed them. And that list, uh, lame, blind, crippled, mute, that means so, so much. Uh, back in Isaiah 35, uh, that same list is, is given and it's God talking about when he will restore his people Israel after they've been punished. And uh, Isaiah 35, I'll read it out. Uh, 
this is what God says will happen for his people. He says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. But here, the crowds are Gentiles. Those words were originally written for Jews, but those same promises are coming true for people outside Israel. And so puzzle number two, we find exactly the same thing happening. The blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. Okay, puzzle number three. Puzzle three is a little trickier. Why another feeding miracle? If you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, we uh, read about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and here we are again, it's uh, deja vu, he's feeding 4,000 and you think this is redundant. Uh, Jesus, we know you can do this, Uh, you can make food, great. Uh, And if the point of the feeding miracle was to show us that he's God, that he can create out of nothing, uh, then why prove that again in in kind of exactly the same way? Especially when this one is less impressive. Uh, If you draw it up like a series of simultaneous equations, you see the point. Uh, The first one is more impressive... Uh, Less to start with and more left over. It's just a little thing for you maths nerds. I'll take that away. Uh, So why? Why another feeding miracle? Now maybe some of you are thinking, hang on a second. The solution to puzzle one taught us that the blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. And the solution to puzzle two taught us that the blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. And Puzzle 3 involves a story in a Gentile area about a feeding miracle where there is an abundance left over. Are you following me? You're exactly right. That's what it's about. The important thing here is not just what Jesus is doing, it's who is doing the eating. At the feeding of the 5,000, that was in a Jewish area. But here, he's among the Gentiles. And Jesus is still willing to feed them, just like he did the Jewish crowds. Even more so than last time. Last time, it was the disciples who uh, asked about the food. But this time, it's Jesus who wants to feed them. Have a look, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. And so again, uh, this feeding miracle acts like a sign, an action that points towards something greater about who Jesus is. I love bread. Uh, It's kind of everywhere in Australia. It's still a kind of everyday food. There's plenty of bakeries around the place. Uh, But it's not like a staple, like if all the bakeries closed down tomorrow, uh, we'd still cope. Uh, But in the ancient world, bread was this symbol of life. It was was right at the heart, basic to everything, to everyday life. Uh, In another culture, it might make sense uh, to call Jesus the rice of life or uh, potato from heaven. Sounds very wrong when you say it that way, but uh, that's, that's the impact. 
bread and fish. Jesus gives this essential stuff of life to the crowds and they're satisfied. And the disciples take it and they distribute it to the Gentile crowds. Just the same way that they're going to distribute the gospel and offer eternal life to the nations after Jesus has died and risen again. It's this feeding, it's like an enacted parable. It's a sign of what the Messiah does. And that's the point, that the blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. Uh, you see that uh, most obviously in the basketfuls left over. You see this abundance of life. Uh, apparently, Eskimos have 50 different words for snow and uh, in the ancient world, they had many different words for basket. Um, and tells you something about how important baskets were. Uh, anyway, these are the same kind of baskets that Paul got lowered over the wall in when he was trying to escape in the book of Acts. So this is a big basket. This is a person-sized basket. There's this abundance, all these baskets full of food. And uh, when you get to this point, you notice the other difference between the first feeding miracle and the second one. At the first feeding, uh, in the Jewish area, there were 12 basketfuls of bread left over. And here at the second feeding, in the Gentile area, there are seven basketfuls of bread left over. And if you know the Bible, you think, hang on a second, those two numbers are quite important. Uh, and so again, this miracle is a sign pointing towards uh, who Jesus is, what he does. Twelve basketfuls left over, enough for the twelve tribes of Israel. Seven, the, the number of perfection, of completeness, enough for the whole world. The blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. So we've had three puzzles, uh, all with the same answer. Uh, why is Jesus so mean? Where is Jesus going? Why another feeding miracle? And each one has taught us that the blessings of the Messiah overflow to the nations. So, uh, what does that mean for us? I think it really hits us in, in two attitudes within us. Uh, firstly, I think it has to give us an attitude of gobsmacked thankfulness. Absolutely gobsmacked. Uh, because unless you're uh, Jewish yourself... The person that you are most like in this passage is the Canaanite woman. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Gentile. We're, we're the outsiders. We're the unclean dogs. But Jesus has changed all that. His blessings overflow uh, to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the Aussies, to Singaporeans, to Iranians, even to the Canaanites. And so Gentile Christians always need to have an attitude of gobsmacked thankfulness. That we weren't part of God's chosen people. We were far off. And yet uh, the blessings of Jesus have, have overflowed, even all the way down here to Perth. Uh, but secondly, I think the church, uh, the, the second attitude, which I think this passage uh, impresses upon us, is that the church has to have the opposite attitude to this. I don't, um, 
mean in terms of politics, I mean in terms of how the church, how we think about our own borders. Uh, in this attitude, there's, there's that fear, isn't there? That fear that if other people come, different people from other places, then things will change and we'll miss out somehow. But that is not true in the church. It's not true for Christians. We have heaps, absolutely heaps. The slide is more like, you know, that, that's our bumper sticker. <laughs> there's, there's an abundance. Uh, Jesus' blessings are for every nation. We want to welcome in every nation to the church. Uh, we are, you know, we could say we're full, but only in the sense that we've eaten all we can and there's still heaps, so come on in. Uh, there's this abundance of blessing in the Lord Jesus. He gives eternal life and that is uh, not restricted to a certain race or a certain nation or certain background. And if we have that attitude within us, that will impact us, I think, in a lot of ways. It'll impact uh, who we look out for when we come to church on a Sunday night. It'll impact who we try to share the gospel with. Uh, It'll impact uh, how we think about taking the gospel overseas, how we pray for our mission partners. But most of all, I think it'll take away from us that fear. If we understand this, it'll take away that fear that somehow we'll miss out, that welcoming different people in will somehow hurt us. To welcome in people from other cultures will somehow damage us or or we'll we'll lose out but we totally won't we totally won't because the blessings of the messiah overflow to the nations